Hi. So I haven't released an episode in a while, and I feel like whenever I last released an episode, I was like, you guys, we're going to be regular. We're going to be on this <laughs> and, and, uh, with some famous last words. We we should know ourselves that our, what our toxic trait is. Um, we both share the same toxic trait. We have other that we don't share, but the one is um, that we, we say we're on the way to do something <laughs> when we most certainly are not. That- I'll literally be like putting my shoes on and be Me like, too. on my way. Me too. And... It's funny because that's like the when in our uh, recording uh, platform, you can choose a name and that's Shauna's today is I'm on the way because yes, we both do it. And it's like truly not out of disrespect. I just think that both of us sometimes have a hard time framing what time is actually like. Um, yeah, it might be it might be like a mental health issue. <laughs> yeah, right. It might be um, a side of... Uh, some other sort of cognitive problem Uh, problem no problem's not the right word a cognitive um uh unnormalcy there we go that's (laughs) disnormalcy um yeah so that's but uh, we know this about each other and that's why it's fine because like i mean honestly i think what we have to start doing is having people tell us a different time to arrive that way we actually arrive on time (laughs) i just feel really bad that we were late to the grit and grain yeah. podcast. I was, I, I just like, I, I, we just never traveled to Tacoma. And I was just like, we looked at the clock and we're like, oh God well, damn it. We're in the South End. So theoretically getting to Tacoma shouldn't take that long. Traffic's always a nightmare. It was particularly bad that day. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just telling the truth. I like how we, we just told what our toxic <laughs> trait was and then said, we promise, we promise that wasn't the case this time. Uh, this time it's different this time it was different different. what is it was different what is the thing they say they say um they uh the saying uh if you keep doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result that's the definition of stupidity definition of insanity Insanity. that's what it is (laughs) so we're just insane and that's fine all right you know? That was a super fun record, though. So I dropped that in the feed, and that was like the previous episode to this. So not our episode. It was Grit and Grains episode, but I threw it in the feed because we're bad about getting yes. on the mics. So it was a, a good thing to put in. Um, but that record was super fun. Just, I don't know, we've never been on another beer podcast. So Except for Good Beer Hunting. That was the second beer podcast we've been on. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago, so it's okay. I don't know what episode number that is, but Brian Roth is an excellent journalist and excellent interviewer. Um, Yeah, so deep questions. That's like one of the better beer podcasts out there. Episode episode three hundred nine. Good beer hunting. Do you? Oh, you have SAG Afra strong here. What's WGA Writers Guild of America? Yeah, I was before we got on here. I was just like doing a deep dive on. Well, I've been knowing about the writer strike for a while, but we'll just kind of look in more into what the studios are asking from SAG Afra, and it is just fucking ridiculous. Fuck off. I. It, it's it's a hard argument because they're like, well, actors make so much money. It's like, nope, most that's of them not what do we're not. talking. We're not talking about the millionaires. Um, like, the majority of actors are no. working class, just trying to pay their rent. It's really, really frustrating. And you know, like the same thing with like when um my union, when AEA, like Actors Equity Union, which is different obviously than stage actors. Like, I remember what is now called New York Children's Theater, and they just stopped working with equity actors because they didn't want to deal with them anymore. And I was like, "Um, cool, I guess you don't want to work with the professional actors union? Then fucking good luck, bro. I was so mad about it. It's still like a point of contention. (laughs) No, what I was getting really mad about because AI has come up a lot. One of the things that they're fighting against, well, for writers, they literally want to not hire people and have computers write scripts. Um, and then for actors, this is mostly for background work, which like if you live in LA and are in that industry, that's like one of the main ways that you're making money that, cause it's relatively consistent. They want to pay mm-hmm. you for one day's work. They want to scan your face and then use your face for eternity without consent or compensation. And they're like, yeah, so why aren't you guys agreeing to this? Cool. And they're like, bye. It's <laughs> good luck. Good luck. It is insane. 
Okay, hold on. I have a someone okay. someone here saying hi. Do you want to say hi to Jess? Last night he was we were uh, having a bubble bath and he and Mabel both were making beer. Oh my god, that's so bubbles. cute. You're like this is Krausen. <laughs> Mabel was like beer, beer, beer. Oh man. Sorry. Okay. So yeah, uh, grit and grain. Check check that out in the feed. Um, it was so fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, super fun record. Like I literally didn't want it to end. I was like, it's over already. Yeah, it was super. Yeah, they, those guys. It's fun because the two of them are very different. So it's nice to have, you know, it's. it's I mean, I guess similar to us yeah. that we're both very different. Well, and they but, have a uh, third host too that wasn't there, so I don't know great. what his dynamic is necessarily. That's right. That's right. Just the contrast in general was great. That's right. Yeah. Other other housekeeping. Uh, top of the show. Um, Shauna is now the director of membership and events at the Washington Brewers Guild. Shauna doesn't like to talk about herself, but you know, I just wanted to give her a quick shout out there. Um, it's been great please join the guild I'm excited about what you got coming up I think the next year is going to be there's going to be some cool stuff for Washington breweries I hope so it's you know the guild has always been really important and and there's this sort of um, juncture junction juncture that we're at where the commission is Mm -hmm. dissolved so the Washington Beer Commission is gone they put on the festivals almost all of them the guild hasn't historically put on a couple so now we are the we're the ones to kind of reinvent what the future yeah will hold so it's gonna be great sure um yeah it's gonna be great uh this is old news but sean and i did go to cbc in may um we don't need to really talk about that just if anyone is interested on any controversy or you know following up what went on at CBC related to marginalized folks, definitely follow uh, Beer Diversity, Ren Navarro, and then follow Beers for Everyone. Both those Instagram pages have great information um, about how you can help out people who don't always feel safe in the craft beer industry. Yep. There's uh, a lot of work to be done. And the Brewers Association, while it feels extremely slow for any change, they they do have I mean they have opened up avenues of conversation in some ways with um there's a there's a direct feedback email feedback at brewerstation.org so you can always email and someone can get on the phone with you and you can chat it doesn't feel sometimes it doesn't feel like that's extraordinarily helpful for a lot of reasons um but you know it's a huge organization that's I I really think they're trying to do some they're trying in some yeah. ways um there's been a lot of missteps and hopefully just better next time um but dude there's so many so many things to be frustrated about and so many things to like <laughs> i know that we that needs to get better so it's just like i the thing that i always think about is just like why <laughs> like does it hurt anyone just to be kind and empathetic you know yes. what i mean like yes at the end of the day when you know there's always the argument of like you don't want to be political and it's like well first of all everything's political so good luck um and second of all just like it doesn't hurt anyone just to be like oh my god it looks like you're hurting right now and i'm really sorry to see that how can i be how can i help you right yeah i, just I don't I think, get it yeah it's just i think that you know our culture really emphasizes individualism so that makes it hard to be empathetic sometimes and it's just like get over it why is this upsetting you and it's like okay this person's in a situation that you're not so the fact that you're yeah. like making it harder for them is really fascinating and not showing kindness and support in a community that's supposed to be like that. Yeah. And there's so much stuff of like feeling, um, you know, like we went and, you know, a lot of folks were who were upset also went, um, you know, so it's like it feels like it's difficult because you want to go and like be with your community and be part of the conversation. And you also have to draw the line at some point and be like, well, I'm not going to go there because I just know that that's a, not going to be, I'm not going to enjoy myself. Um, but it was really cool we were there that we went to, you know, the event that Beers for Everyone put on. Yes. Um, and that was really fun. Probably the highlights of the trip. It, yeah. Um, it was like the most so fun, fun, like uh, CBC related event that went on for us, I think. It was really great. So, you know, there's things that can happen from the the bad stuff but yeah the if you want to deep dive into what happened um ren navarro you can see what happened there because she spoke a couple of times at the conference Mm -hmm. i saw her 
once during the, the Thrive workshop. Um, and she's, I've been following her for a while. We have, and she's great. Um, but, you know, what she experienced should not have happened. So it's, yeah. ugh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yup. Um, so, yeah, there's resources out there, you know. Um, we don't need to spend more time on it than it's already been in the past couple months. Um, other things. Um, we got some fun stuff coming up in the fall. I know it's like still the height of summer, honestly, but it's like I personally was just looking at my calendar and I was like, oh, my God, I have the rest of the year booked. Um, but some fun stuff coming up in the fall. Pilsner Fest in Seattle. Look out for that. But what? All, Labor all, Day. <laughs> yeah. Labor Day. Actually on Labor Day. Um, solidarity. Labor Day. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that, that'll be in Seattle. Pilsner Fest, follow at Pilsner Fest on Instagram. Obviously follow at Seattle Beer School on Instagram too. That's where you're going to hear Come about on. all this. Um, Pilsner Fest is going to be great this year. Back to its kind of back to origins, but in a yes. private space, kind of like a big party. Yeah. It's going to be great. Industry party. Um, yeah. So look forward to that. Um, you'll see Shauna and I on the East coast in October at Snally Gaster. Um, not in our nation's capital. <laughs> um, this is such a, uh, you know, Washington state slash West coast centric podcast, but you know, we got lots of East coast love and we're going to be out at Snally, not actually for Seattle beer school, but, um, for floodland, but you know, we're always repping Seattle beer school. So it's like a little dual trip for us. Yeah. Um, come drink some floodland in DC. Um, and yeah, we're going to have some other stuff happen in the summer. So you, like I said, follow us at Seattle Beer School on Instagram. That's where we we'll put have all the information. A, yes. Well, I think we'll also have the only thing uh, like that's on the docket is a uh, fresh hop class at uh, Beer Junction. Yes. I just don't know the date. Yeah, yeah. And hoping to do another blind tasting sometime soon too. a blind tasting class. Yes, absolutely. That's right. Um, yeah. So the, that's just top of the show stuff um just because it's been a second so you know just just always got to do a little housekeeping um mm. okay lots of things have been happening in the industry but there's two main things that i kind of wanted to talk about first let's focus on washington um one of our biggest malt providers skagit valley malting has closed it was mm. pretty sudden um i mean Obviously, industries have been hurting, but with how big of a presence they have in Washington, it was kind of shocking. Um, yeah. I was not expecting it. I work for a brewery that's an USDA certified organic brewery, and Skagit Valley Malting was one of the only malt providers that has organic malts. So oh. that was a, a big hit for us and kind of eye-opening to how there aren't a lot of maltsters who do organic malt. I mean, it's expensive. It's hard to be USDA certified. Um, so totally understood. I think what bums me out more than that, though, is just that Skagit Valley Malting definitely had a level of integrity to their business when it came to sustainability, local support. I mean, they employed all local farmers in the Skagit Valley um which is a huge farm area like one of the biggest agricultural areas that we get our produce from in washington mm -hmm. um and they just did like a lot of you know conservation and sustainability work when it came to making sure we're treating our farmland property we're not over tilling we're not disrupting topsoil um and while there was obviously some internal stuff that wasn't working out it just bums me out to see a company that was like trying to do something really good and was making you know, strides in that to just not exist anymore. Yeah. It's like, you know, there are other craft maltsters, but they were certainly the biggest. Right. Um, and it just feels like there's this, if you're not gigantic, gigantic, yeah. it's like that sort of same thing with breweries, right? You can be small and then that in the middle sort of zone is kind of like, you, like um very challenging right because then you have to go into distro and if like if you don't do that right things can get weird and like obviously it's different for um, malt but you know they were building like they were pouring like millions and millions of dollars into making more and more of what they're like you know they're kind of innovative yeah. way of making malt right doing everything in one drum 
correct me if I'm wrong, we went and toured there years ago. Yeah. And it was really, really cool. But it's just like they employed so many people too. So I just really feel like I yeah. just hope everyone's been able to find something else. And I, I met with um, Brian from Link Malt recently. Oh, I chatted I with him recently. He met too. with you. Yeah, he said that he was going to chat with you guys at um at Aslan, um, and he has a really interesting perspective. Um, cool. Just because they're and they're out of like the Spokane area, um, and I know they do some organic, but it's pretty. Or they're exploring it or something. They haven't yeah. really dove into it. Um, so it's like Admiral. That's that. What do you? De- what is Aslan doing, Admiral? Or Admiral? I mean, I, we always buy our pills malt from Admiral. Admirals in uh, California. Which, you know, at least that's West Coast, at least. And I'm thinking sustainability. I'm thinking emissions. That was so great about Skagit Valley is that it was fucking 30 minutes from Bellingham. Um, Mm -hmm. So when it comes to transportation and local, that was really huge. And at least admirable. I always call them admirable. Admiral. uh, Maybe they are. Is West Coast. But they're expensive. And that's tough. Um, So... Yeah, we're we're talking to Link. Um, I met Brian at a uh, brew day at Lowercase. Um, oh yeah, he's cool. Yeah, um, you know who he reminds me of? This is like such a funny thing to talk about on the podcast, but what? he reminds me like he could be Aaron's like cousin, dude. Like yeah, they're, you know, or brother or half yeah, brother. Or yeah, yeah, half brother. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't they have like similar <laughs> totally. vibes? Yes. And I mean that in a compliment. Like when I met him, he was like wearing like a wax canvas. You know what I mean? Like yes. in his hat. Like everything about him, I was like, oh my God, is this Aaron? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, uh, but yeah, it was cool to talk to him about because someone had reached out to me, this guy Gabe, who uh, is a distiller in Colorado, asking, I think just reach out because I work for the Guild about um, Skagit's closing. And I was like, honestly, I'm not the right person to ask about it. Um, let me reach out to a maltster because he's on the Craft Maltsters Guild. Mm. He's on the board for that. Um, so it was really interesting to hear his perspective because you hear like headlines that are like, is Craft Malt dead? And he's like, no, no. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's a journalism sort of catch, you know, mm-hmm. like hook to get yeah, you to read their yeah. fucking article. Um, but he was just talking about like, it's not really. I mean, Mecca is like what for sale and right is it mecca the one that he's yeah and also um why am i blanking on the gold rush so they're around it's just kind of like one's like being passed you know someone's moving on or they want to sell it and so it's like not necessarily dead it's just you know transition it's not quite the same as it to kind of compare the way that craft beer was in general in like the early 2000s and how you're going to see some closures but things are going to come back like it's not you know people are using equipment that is perhaps like how brewers were using like old dairy stuff and like, right. you know, they're kind of cobbling things together and that's not necessary. I'm kind of generalizing, but, and paraphrasing what he was talking about, but it's like, you know, I think that they'll come back and be able to kind of um, be stronger once we're just kind of there. But he said that his biggest worry is freaking climate change. It, that's valid. That should be all of our concerns. I mean, yeah, it's like a hot day in Seattle. I mean, what, it's probably going to get up to almost 90 today? Yeah. It's like, that is hot for here. And like, Phoenix has been just like 110 for like a month. Actually. Oh. I mean, two weeks. Dude, it gets like the lowest is like 90 during the night. Can you oh. imagine? No, I can't. I literally can't. Um, First of all, boo Phoenix. So, <laughs> get what you're coming. If you're living in hell, what do you expect? I mean, let's start there. Um, I want to circle back really quick to something you were talking about with Skagit. For those who don't know, Skagit Valley Malting had a really unique way of malting. The folks who started it, I'm pretty sure it came from Boeing. They were like, I think so. Yeah. They were like aerophysicists or something. Um, And nice. Yeah. uh, So they did the whole malting process in one, uh, like you said, drum, like one piece of equipment. So it was kind of like, the the steeping pre-germination kilning all happened in the same vessel um which Mm -hmm. you know saved space and i'm sure had other benefits to it um so i think that's the other hard thing with it is that if they're trying to sell if someone's interested in buying it's not traditional malting equipment and it's not traditional malting technique so i think that's what makes it harder too i think if it was just like a large craft floor malt situation there would be a bigger chance of it being bought and taken over. But that's, I think what makes me nervous is that it's this equipment that they invented. Yeah. No one else knows how yeah. to use. Like that would be a hard thing to take over. Yeah. It was um, funny because I was in Bellingham a couple weeks ago and I was talking to someone about um, 
you know, the future of that, like the facility. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, maybe we can make it a co-op of just like different people. Hmm. Like, I mean, this is like dreaming big dreams, yeah. but like, I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. I'm always pro um, co-op. But yeah, I think, but I think you're right that those drums, I mean, they were just like, everything is in a single vessel. It always, like, which is cool and really innovative, but I think there's probably some things within that that causes some issues. It does. I mean, there's issues with any sort of malting, but, um, you know, I always think, I always thought of it almost like, you know, those like machines that like wash and dry all in one. That's exactly and I'm just like, it. how does that work? Well, and that that is what caused some of the all issues with the malt is it didn't dry out completely. There there was mm-hmm. the moisture would hang on. So that that was an issue. So like does someone want to take on the, those potential issues and equipment they've never used before? Like that's that's a hard sell. It is, but not in I mean it's just I, yeah. Yeah, not impossible, but it is, you know, it's really unfortunate and really impactful to so many different people as you said like not just the people employed by sketch valley malting but the farmers that they employed like it's just like oh my goodness and so hopefully you know i think that there's enough of a, a community around it that hopefully they're able to sell their grain somewhere else um but yeah my goodness well on the topic of potential buying so like moving on to other sad news but with a potential of hope uh, we all just learned that Anchor Brewing is closing. America's 175-year-old brewery. The U.S. Right? Is that 100 brewery? Yeah. Um, very near and dear to my heart. It's in San Francisco. I grew up in Petaluma, just north of San Francisco. Um, Anchor Steam is absolutely iconic. It's the most beautiful brewery I've been in. Um, granted, I haven't been to Europe before, so I haven't seen <laughs> the legit stuff in Germany, but like truly an incredible, beautiful brewery. They had a lot of integrity and they were one of the only, if not the only, unionized group of brewers. So it's just like a bummer on so many levels. It was historical. It was iconic and shaping a lot of craft beer in the West Coast. Uh, yep. they, their employees were treated well, they were unionized and, you know, yeah. we probably could have seen this coming, like you mentioned at the top, because they stopped distribution everywhere except for California. But that was not that long ago. That was like maybe two months ago. And then to get yeah. the like almost immediate notice of closure after limiting distro was just like, fuck. I want, you know, like there's so many things that why? Right, mm-hmm. but I I want to I want to talk about how they created one of the most truly American styles, right? Yes. The steam beer. Yes, I mean you know like that's that if you like look at like truly American beers that are it that's one of them. It is one of not them. I mean that that doesn't have any everything has influence from Europe and other places, of course. But like that beer is so special, and every time I've had it, like you know, like Anchor Steam. I'm just like, I know exactly what it is. You know, you yes. blind give it to me and I'm like, yep, yep, I know what that is. Um, so that's really big. It's, you know, it's pretty devastating. And, you know, like, you don't want to, it doesn't always have to be a boogeyman. But like, you know, when like a multi, when it like a outside huge company buys some something, I just wonder how much like, it's a business decision, right? This is not a family thing. It's not like a emotional thing. It's a business decision. Um, but I wonder if it was still independently owned, how much that would have made a difference or an American owned, not to say like Sapporo is like terrible because they're like not owned by Americans. Um, but I just wonder, you know, the nostalgia probably doesn't really matter as much when you're talking to people who don't have any sort of. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's like, yeah, like you said, it's a business transaction you don't get bought out unless you are making a bigger business money. And if you're no longer making them money and maybe not even like generating revenue, but like not growing because that's how capitalism mm-hmm. works, then yeah. you're dropped, you know? So I absolutely agree that if it was independently owned, I don't think this closure would have happened. And I'm really hoping for the opportunity for someone to swoop in and save it. If, do you like, have a, yeah, what do you think? Are you, is there, I haven't read anything about. I haven't either. So I guess really where my hope lies to begin is that that building will be saved. I think that city, mm-hmm. that is something the city should push for. And if not the city federally, because like you said, it is one of the truly only American style beers and it's historic and it has influence in our country. So um, 
I really like to see some aspect of this saved. Um, yeah, and like you were saying, like steam beer is just um, you know it's like people or Liberty might- Ale. I mean that beer means Liberty, so much- yes. Liberty Ale. Their Christmas Ale, like all of their beers are that I mean they're like you know look at their portfolio and you know of course they're nostalgic and i had in quite quite honestly i think there's a episode of our podcast where we like have anchor steam and it's old or something and we're uh-huh. like <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know and I, it's kind of one of those maybe we took it for granted there's these big like what if fucking sierra nevada was bought out it would and then be, which would be first of all that would be for a first step of a nightmare and then if it closed you know like i don't it seems it's the same sort of thing we just like you know didn't don't get as much ser- like you know what i mean like we're not drinking anchor as often as yeah maybe this is a personal thing only but well, <laughs> I, I think you know like it it's thought of as like an like an old man beer or something but it's truly a good fucking beer even if we drank an old one and we were like Bleh, it's still like it, it's still just a solid style it's one of my favorite food beers like that is oh yeah i love to eat with almost or what i like to drink with almost any meal um yeah and sorry to get stuck on the concept of nostalgia i know this is mostly just like because i'm from the area but you know the whole story about why it's called steam beer is in the brewery when um the you know the mash the boil was going on and or no, it was the open fermentation. That's what it was. The open Did, yeah, they opened the the, the uh, yeah outside and um, in the cool bay air, and then you would see all the steam rising off the the top of the brewery. And that's like if you've ever spent time in San Francisco, or you know that climate, that like foggy, chilly. Sometimes the fog burns off. Usually it doesn't. Like it just has such good imagery of that city and that history. Um, yeah. So I know. No, nostalgia's big. By the way, it's 127 years old. I think I said 117. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's fine. Uh, nostalgia plays a big role in like business, uh, in business, right? Like storytelling is a huge yes, part of craft beer. Absolutely. People telling their story. Like there's beers out there that are like, you know, breweries that are, I just said one, like Sierra Nevada or like, you know, anchor steam or any like of the if you look at just like the list of top 50 just like really really popular craft beer breweries right and you get their beer readily a lot of them just have told their story really really great right Mm -hmm. and anchor steam story is just so cool too because you know like they started like in the seven like when fritz fritz maytag bought that brewery yeah and brought it back from the ashes yeah i mean it's almost like you want that to happen again and it's like maybe it won't um, but that's another p- cool part of it. And so you're just like, oh, my God, that feels just so truly American mm-hmm. and especially part of the American craft beer sort of story. So it feels like, uh oh, it just feels very foreboding. That's exactly it. It's like, you know, we're in a really interesting time right now um, where I, I've been hearing like historians say that we're essentially in like the new Gilded Age um, mm-hmm. where, you know, that was a time period where industrial, you know, I'm always talking about how much I hate the industrial revolution. Um, besides the fact that it brought us glassware, um, and, and, and also malting it, it did a lot of good things. It did a lot of bad things. And Indu- I should say industrial size malting anyways. Yes. Um, and, but that was the time where it was like the big fat cats. This is the Vanderbilts. This is Carnegie, like those, all those big money railroad old school money havers and then a huge labor um revolution happened following that Mm -hmm. so it's like i really see that happening because we have some of the richest people ever in existence running things and we're talking about unions we're talking about labor strikes like there's a ups strike um going on that is going to be fucking huge like if they go through with that strike it's going to cost these mega corporations billions of dollars so it's like we're really at this point where it's like things have to change there is no choice things have to change so i think when we're talking about like having a little bit of hope of you know hopefully things coming back around having some integrity in business um and in beer you know i'm hanging on to that hope it's all i got i mean i'm with you have to like you i mean i'm always been pro-union and it's just like what people should have you should have, you know, bargaining power. You should have yes. like 
the right to like get everyone get together and fight people who are making so much more money than you and it's just like so unfair and so ridiculous when people are like oh, the unions like starbucks for instance you know what i mean it's just like okay what well, you're scared of them because you don't want to pay them which is insane because the actual gap between people who like i consider rich in actually rich people is so insane and oh dude something else i was reading um and I don't even think this was just adjusted. Oh, no, um, there's this new group of people. So, you know, we don't really have middle. Sorry, this is turning into like a fucking socialism podcast. But, um, you know, we essentially don't have a capitalism. Yeah, we essentially don't have a middle class anymore. And, and we now have this middle ground um, that I forget what the acronym is, but it's essentially so poverty level is uh, your yearly income is 30,000 below, which is insane because poverty is actually higher than that but there's this middle ground that's between 30,000 and 70,000 where it's not poverty but it's not middle class and it's where most people reside Mm -hmm. and to like factor in what cost of living is and this is not just Seattle talk this is everywhere in the U.S. Um, it's like we're in this new space where it's like well you're not technically poverty so you're not receiving government assistance but you're actually fucked because that's not enough money to do anything yeah it's just like not sort of adjusted for anything that's happening in the world well it it probably is but like (sighs) it it just seems like you know if you think about like just specifically here right you have to have dual income yeah in order to fucking do anything yes um which you know it it isn't always whatever especially like for a family like maybe both of partners don't want to work and someone wants to take care of the kids but it's like nearly fucking impossible yeah unless your other partner's making like a boatload and it's just like not so it's so silly but the one thing i always think about i can't keep wanting to like talk more and more about is like the unionization of uh brewery workers yes and not just not just brewers and production work the people who work production but front of house folks as well although there is a discrepancy in like how much there's a a big difference that can happen between how much brewers make and how much um bartenders make um but you know i think (laughs) the unionization of those people are very it's very important and a lot of people would not like it um although sorry then don't don't grow your brewery to a size in which you need so many people that need bargaining power Right. And, you know, there's always been a discrepancy. Or just pay them well. Like, what a concept. (laughs) Um, There's always been discrepancy between front of house and back house workers, right? Back house typically, when we're talking about a brewery setting, it's like salaried brewery Mm -hmm. workers versus hourly tipped employees. And I think, I I like to think that business owners like to keep it that way because it keeps a little, like, they're not as solid together, right? And while restaurant work in terms of front of house, back house is a little different than that. Most all, unless you're head chef, like everyone is hourly. Um, I've seen some really cool examples of complete tip sharing between front of house Mm. and back of house. Everyone's making good money and you're solid. Like you you are now a fucking team because everyone's work is relying upon Mm -hmm. each other. Um, Local tide in uh, Seattle, they, they share tips completely equal between all employees um i'm almost positive aslan's brew pub um tip back a house like everyone's sharing tips and because of that their kitchen employees are some of the highest paid kitchen employees in bellingham and um our owner has gotten questions from other uh business owners restaurant owners being like how are you keeping staff we can't keep uh back house staff and he's like you fucking pay them well through tip sharing. And unfortunately that's the way you have to do it is relying yeah. on tips, but it's like, cool. Yeah. Now we're it's, all on the same team. I, yeah, I think that's great. And you know, hopefully someday we don't have to rely on tips in general, right. although that scares me as a person just cause I'm like, well, that's the only way I've ever been able to really do it. Right. What about those people who fat tip fat? I'm like, well, people can still tip additionally yes, if they true. want. But you could just pay your fucking people. Like that's just the weird thing here in the United States. It's just not the case in other places, right? Like when people tip, like really, like twenty yeah. percent overseas, they're just like, um, okay, yeah, right, <laughs> cool. You don't have to, but I'll take it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We're not there yet, but it just seems yeah. like because it has to be everywhere. Otherwise, 
Exactly. It just doesn't really make sense. It has to almost be like a fucking federal or state mandate or yeah, something. Absolutely. Mandate. I don't know. Legislation. All those words make sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> the combination of them. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know if you have any more thoughts on Anchor Brewing, but, you know, just a big bummer to hear. Yeah, it's a really big bummer. And I think you're right. If, if maybe, you know, there's enough like who knows who's talking about that building that might be a really maybe there's something that could be done with it and yeah um it i don't know if it can be saved but if we can retain some of it it just it's just a mighty it's a it's really a big disappointment um yeah you know it's other other breweries have gone too but this one sucks when it's like the oldest one that has so much like Mindshare, I don't know if that's the right word. Maybe a lot of people don't even know about Anchor anymore. Um, yeah. I think, too, it's like overall, uh, I, I feel like I'm just watching in real time San Francisco kind of fall apart. Like, y- we all know how You're not different- the only one that said this recently. Who said someone that? Someone else is like, I don't so, Someone else recently oh. told me that they're really worried about San Francisco. <laughs> and they should be. I mean, like, it already started going downhill with tech boom when Silicon Valley started moving into the city. Um, and then, you know, disrupting the housing market. Housing is fucking insane. It was always pretty insane, but like, yeah, you know, in the two thousands when it really started happening, it was crazy. Um, so people can't afford to live there anymore. Um, it's not as bad as Seattle is in terms of tearing down buildings and building super cheap, shitty buildings. Um, so hopefully yeah. that's not going to happen. I don't have a ton of faith. Um, but that city is just so, it's just not, it doesn't have the heart that it used to have. And that's what was so special about that city. Um, I also saw, I haven't it, been in a couple years, but such a, it's always spelled a special place in my yeah. heart. Um, I also saw a really disturbing video, um, of <laughs> the San Francisco PD. Um, so there is, uh, I forget where in the city somewhere there's like a hill bomb, quote unquote hill bomb, which is when skateboarders get together and all do a hill together. Um, and this is like <laughs> a, hilarious. Yeah. this is, um, a yearly thing that happens. And if you know anything about skate culture, historically, there's a lot of tension between cops and skateboarders. Um, but so this hill bomb happens every year. The city knows about it. The city could have responded in such a way that could be like, Hey, we don't love that you're doing this, but we don't want you to get hurt. So we're going to have EMTs. We're going to have water bottles. We're going to have some barricades. So traffic doesn't come through. Like you could work with your citizens. Instead, SFPD showed up in full riot gear, um, arrested children. The majority of people arrested during this were between the ages of 12 and 18 years old. They were arresting 13 year old (laughs) skateboarders. Okay. And in riot gear, which what the fuck do you think skateboarders are going to do? Like wacky with their skateboard? Like maybe, but what? And they're not holding like um, actual firearms, but you know, like the ones that are like rubber bullets or whatever, but they look fucking scary. Like those guns are terrifying. And they're like, those fucking can hurt you. They can break your bones. They're like fucking, I could not believe that. And I was like, all right, cool. So the city's already like falling apart because of the tech boom. Uh, we live in a police state, apparently. Uh, kids can't skateboard. Uh, and now Anchor Brewing is closing. I'm just like, God damn it. Fucking just like, you know, implode the city, start from scratch. Like, honestly, that's that's, that's our only choice at this point, I think. Who's in charge there? What is happening? I don't like, know. Like, why? And it's, you know, like, no one can afford anything. So you have so many houseless people yeah. that, like, know where to go. Nothing to, like, and obviously, it, it, and no, everyone's just like, oh, the homelessness. And you're like, why do you think yeah. this is happening? It's called no one has a house because he can't afford it. And where do you want them to go? Where do you want people to go? <laughs> they have to live somewhere. It's, and like the, the police, that's just like, cool guys. I guess you're never going to listen. Like, you're not going to learn from any of your mistakes. And you're just going to like, You'll protect white supremacists, but oh, yeah. you won't like and it's protect. Just, like, so you're mad that the community hates the police. You think by acting like this, this is going to garner support? You think fear mongering is going to work? They don't want to change. It's just they don't want to just be pa- power. The, really, the only other thing I want to talk about today um, <laughs> is uh, 
So Hill Farmstead recently started getting distributed out here, which people started getting stoked for because it's a a great brewery. They make some of the best beer in the country. Um, One thing that I like to revisit, though, is Sean Hill still a piece of shit. Did he ever apologize for all the shit that came out during um, the rat magnet shit? Because there were some really awful He apologized once. He did. Did he apologize? Yeah. So this is what he says. Do you want me to say it? Yeah. Um, Because I looked it up right before we started chatting. I have been reading and processing the recent comments and conversations taking place in social media in relation to both me as a person and industry overall. I needed and still need a moment to reflect on the commentary, which has been serious in tone and tenor. To say this is unsettling is an understatement. I surely have a different perspective on what has been shared both overtly and anonymously, but what matters is how each person sees it. I think something that is uniformly apparent is the need to examine the environment of our industry and address how the entire community might move it collectively toward a place of shared respect, safety, personal responsibility, equitable conversation, and inclusive diversity. And so he like goes on a little bit, yada, yada, yada. I want to share that I'm listening because I believe that change for everyone comes out of the willingness to engage in conversation. Uh, and the, yeah, there's no, there's no sorry or apology. So yeah, that's it's not an apology. Just like, I hear <laughs> that's you. a very well-written PR statement. Yeah. It was most like, I'm here. I, I, I hear you. Um, yes. And yes. And this was, by the way, this is in Vine Pair. This was um, published in 2021. Beth Demon. She wrote it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, that's not statement. the worst thing you could say in response, but that's also not an apology. Um, and I don't know the dude. Well, no one's going to, they're not going to apologize if they don't think they did anything wrong. That's true. Right? Like, I'm sure his lawyers advised against it. Yeah, probably. I mean, not, I'm not defending him, but like, if someone accused me of something and I didn't think I was doing it, then I bet, you know, sure. Josh's dad would be like, don't apologize because yeah. it'll be held against you in a court of law. Yeah, that's a good point. Yikes. Um, Although I don't, there's got to be more information. I know, I'll be honest. I can't remember everything about the rat magnet, all those allegations. It was so fucking overwhelming reading was. all those that I like, and I, you know what I mean? Like, I can't even imagine. I'm not one, a person that was, I mean, we I, I, personally, I just didn't mention anything to rat magnet. I've been personally affected, but yeah. I wasn't one of the people accusing Sean Hill of anything. Right, right. Um, but it just seems like it's like the whole culture around just kind of like this weird I think I think I kind of looked back on it and it was like you had a couple female employees that like kind of pressured into like sexual situations it's kind of what the accusations were I'm Mm -hmm. grossly like generalizing um but like that shit is gross it's gross and it's like listen there's a lot of shitty dudes in the world there's a lot of shitty dudes in craft beer so I'm not trying to say that this is like isolated with sean hill it's just that bro you own a fucking business one as big as hill farmstead just don't be a dick like it's so easy to not be gross and not talk really disgustingly about female employees um or colleagues um and you know it's just a greater symptom of like you know the patriarchy and how toxic masculinity is really seeped into our culture um, so it's like, I, I know this isn't a Sean Hill specific issue. I know this is a greater thing, but I think that was like one of the things that came up when people started getting really hype about Hill Farmstead and it was one of our friends who brought it up was like, wait, did everyone forget? Because I forgot, like you said, it was, there was so much coming out during that time where it's like, you can't fucking keep like, up. I was like, I guess if you're a, <laughs> a man in charge, you probably fucked up. Yeah. Um, but yeah and i don't know like if he's made amends if he has learned maybe he's gone through you know it's possible for people to get better yeah right that doesn't you know i think there's like other examples of people in seattle here who were accused of egregious behavior who i think at least from like what was presented has seemed that they've really tried yeah and and like that you know it's not doesn't make it right but at least you know we can give people the opportunity to get better um yes. and if they've proven themselves to n- not continue a pattern of disgusting behavior and t- to a- actively seek training and you know sort of find a way to make it better in some ways although i don't know how that's how then i you know i guess we i guess we should be available for forgiveness i agree i don't know if that's the 
because there's yeah. there's always room for growth like we live in the digital era where everything is recorded everything is online forever so like i'm sure i've said plenty of fucked up shit too like luckily no one's digged up shit about me but it's like so yeah it's really tough because we now live in a time where everything's going to be captured um mm -hmm. but yes absolutely believe in growth like i don't believe in like canceling someone and being like I mean, unless you're like a murderer or like a rapist, a neo-Nazi. Yeah. Right. But it's like <laughs> rehabilitation is real. Growth is real. And we do have to provide space for people to learn and be better. Otherwise, if you're so intense on someone, they're going to just get more and more defensive. They're just going to close up and be like, nope, no, 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 not safe. Can't do this. Right. So you do have to provide the space. At the same time, people do have to be called out because if you're not fucking called out, the behavior is going to continue yeah you won't change because that hasn't happened so i don't it's like uh, i mean i haven't bought any hill farmstead because i i just haven't yeah um and I'd, I'd like to just know what he's done to be better but also like he, i mean i don't know fucking he's like just a, a part he's just one person yes, like there's so right. many other problematic people right. right um so it's hard to keep track yeah it <laughs> honestly, is honestly you're like wait what brewery can i buy from i don't <sighs> Right. No, I can't. Can I? I don't know. And like, it is a lot to put on pressure of the consumer too, to just be like, you need to keep up with all these things and no blah, blah, blah. Like, that's a lot to ask someone, right? Sometimes we're just trying to fucking drink some good beer. I understand that. I think that I get frustrated when controversy is swept under the rug and nothing is like done about it. I'm just like, guys, we got to yeah. keep each other accountable. I, that's, why, that's why I appreciate people who remind us. Yeah. Wait, you remember those people? Remember they suck? And you're like, oh, fuck, yeah, I can't buy them. Right. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You're like, remember Sean Hill? He actually never really apologized and doesn't look like he really did anything to make amends and hasn't really, like, taken the steps to, like, be better. He just kind of was like, I'm sorry you feel that way and moved on. Like, yeah, I just, you know, that sucks. Like, I don't know. If someone accused me of, like, fucking coercing someone into a sexual act or, like, trying to and being creepy and weird and, like, I would first be mortified. <laughs> um and then i don't know i would fucking do everything in my power to try to be better and like make it public and then be like listen i know not everything needs to be public but just know that i'm doing everything i can yeah. to be better yeah I'm just like wow and, and i think but it's ego right it is and i think when it comes down to it what i think i'm actually mad about and what i think i'm asking my community to do is these changes have to happen on interpersonal and small interactions so it's like if you're a dude and you see a dude in this industry or anywhere um saying something gross saying something shitty you just have to call them out just be like hey dude that's yeah. fucking gross because that's going to be so much more impactful than like me saying this on a podcast right so yeah i think that's like what i'm really looking for is like i have good friends who have said like when i've been like "Ooh, yeah i don't know how i feel about that guy and they're like no, 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 he's a good dude. He just like, he just got quote unquote me too'd. And I'm like, and you're all. So mm -hmm. I just said that he gives me bad vibes. I have intuition because I'm a woman who's experienced a lot of bullshit in this world. You haven't experienced the same bullshit as me. So you don't have that intuition. And now you're trivializing when a woman speaks out, you know, and it's just no. like in those moments, that's when I call them out and I ask them to do better. But it often, unfortunately, means more to men if other men are the ones saying these things so you know i just encourage you guys to um to be aware of that and just to you know just try to foster a safer better community yeah same thing with like racism right yeah like we i mean i've heard some fucked up shit and kept my mouth shut Right. And been like, just because I'm like, oh God, or it's a person in power saying something mm -hmm. and I've been too much of a fucking coward to say anything or just like not feeling safe or yeah. just like, or even like growing up in like a conservative family yeah. and shit that they say, right. I've like called them out on it mm -hmm. and been like, they just are like, what? No, that's not racist. And like, oh just think about it for a little bit. Yeah. And let me tell you that I, I'm telling you that, but you know, look it up, <laughs> maybe spend a little time with your friend, Mr. Googs yeah. and you, you'll be, um, and very very illuminated and what right and it's like is i know i definitely can have uh angry tone about shit like this i'm definitely one to just immediately be like fuck you fuck this because i'm frustrated and i'm tired right um but it's like all we really want is to see a, a more kind empathetic world <laughs> um 
And it just gets frustrating when you've experienced a bunch of bullshit. So I know sometimes I come off a little hard on this, but it's just like, man, we just got to ask each other to do better. And I think everyone will be better for it. Amen, sister. Yeah. Um, well, that's um, that's all the the anger I guess I could get out today. We talked about unions. We uh, talked about sexism. We uh, talked capitalism. about racism, capitalism. So I think we did great work today. Um, yeah, we did. Um, we did what we could in this in this in this time allotted. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I was thinking in the future we can always have our. Uh, this is something we talked about with Samira, who we should have on the podcast. Yes, but um, about like a, a rage moment of rage where oh. you can just like set up like a counter with stuff on it that you want to break and yes. just like smash it and just like push it onto the table and just like whack things like a. So yes. there, it's a maybe there's a min, a minute of the next ep, like episode, a uh, couple episodes, or for from from now to eternity yes. where we get to rage for a minute, yes. like full on rage for a minute. We'll do rage corner. Get it out of our system. Rage corner, gossip corner, mm-hmm. and then just um, pull it back together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it's it's important. Also, I want to uh, pro- uh, have another proposition mm-hmm. that's not quite as ragey. That next time we have a guest on, we have like a little spinny wheel, so we talk about that with them whatever we want, Ooh. and on the wheel are like random topics. I love that. It doesn't idea. have to be beer related at all, and we just roll it, and then it could be like you know capitalism. It could be um your celebrity crush it could be like whatever i love this we start the episode that way so we're not just talking about beer which you know <laughs> uh, actually we don't we actually don't we didn't really talk that much about beer we did so. <laughs> i talked about my love for steam beer that's about it um uh, yeah so um it's a beautiful day out everyone i hope everyone's enjoying their summer um i'm going to a mariners game today i'm going to drink some modelo's um, modelo modelo time um, you don't want to get some boneyard i mean i honestly isn't that what i'm down with <laughs> I, I, that's what i got last time it was great dude i like boneyard i wasn't even joking no um also yeah Shana's, not your vibe i get it um no uh shauna's family came with me to uh, a baseball game and we sent her husband out to go get us beers and he was stressed because i was like he was like literally sweating i was like i want modello and he comes back with like three different beers and it was like <laughs> i only got the ones with the independent stamp on it i was making sure i was buying local and craft and he came back with beers that genuinely i hadn't even had or it's been years since i've had and it was a good little refresher i was like i would have just been drinking modello yeah. and instead i'm having this hefeweizen that i've never had before and it was good yeah, it, they. I mean, Marin. They do a great job. There's a pretty. There's yeah. the selection's pretty great. Although I've never been to the Diamond Club. <laughs> yeah, we have been to what they have the there. <laughs> Shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> um. All right. Well, good chat. Um, I love you guys. Lo- love everyone and most people. I mean, and um, you know, we'll be back when we'll be back. Sorry, we're not having a regular schedule, but at least you got this one. So we'll see you when we see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.